0: Good morning, church. Grace and peace to you from the Lord Jesus Christ. Welcome to this worship together at Faith Community United Methodist on this third Sunday of Advent. If you haven't already signed the attendance pads, please do that and pass them along to others that are beside you this morning. So we have a record of your presence here with us in worship. This is a, a big day here at Faith Community. Lots of things going on. Uh, It's uh, not quite Christmas yet, but it's going to feel like it, uh, especially if you come back this afternoon and this evening. Uh, At 3 o'clock this afternoon, we have the Community Christmas Concert Band here in the sanctuary. Uh, They'll be right up here on the chancel performing uh, Christmas music, so come enjoy that. And then at 5 o'clock, we have our all-church family Christmas party, so come join us for that as well. Down in the fellowship hall, we'll have food. We'll have Uh, games. We'll have uh, crafts and uh, cookie decorating, all kinds of things to get us in the Christmas spirit. So join us for that. Now, uh, we are going to need to transform this space right after worship today for the concert, and so we'll need some help with that. Um, We need to get the altar moved out of here uh, so that the bells can get the bell tables out of here. So uh, if there are some of you that uh, would be willing to help us move the altar right after the service today, then just uh, come up front here Right after the service, we'll get the altar moved out, uh, get the bell tables moved out, and, the, and then the band can get all set up for this afternoon. This is uh, Coins for Missions Sunday. The children will be bringing the buckets around during the children's moments this morning. So if you have coins, make sure that you have those ready during the children's moments. This is also the last day to get your orders in for poinsettias. That is uh, on one of your bulletin inserts, the poinsettia order form. So make sure you turn that in today if you wanted to order poinsettas. And also I point out that there's an announcement uh, about halfway down on your announcement sheet, there's an announcement about a caroling opportunity. There are some folks that are going to go Christmas caroling around the neighborhood, the condos right next to the church, uh, next Sunday afternoon. So if you would be interested in spreading some Christmas cheer by caroling, you can come join us uh, at 3 o'clock next Sunday afternoon uh, to be a part of that. There are several other announcements in your bulletin. I'd encourage you to take a look at those, take that home with you so that you I can get everything on your calendar and don't miss out on any of the big things coming up. We are here this morning to offer God our worship and our praise, and so let us be in that spirit of worship. Let us stand as you are able for the call to worship.
1: Behold, God is good and has set a star in the heavens to guide us to the truth. We follow it with joy. Knowing that God gave us strength to climb the hills and sight to conquer the darkness, behold, God is good and has promised us a Savior to lead us to righteousness. We witness the Savior with kindness and with expectations, and in the holy birth, our lives may be renewed. Please join us to join with us and. Reciting the opening prayer is printed in the bulletin. Let us pray. Gentle God, you know that for us, this is a season of hopes and fears. We are caught up in our excitement and plans. We worry whether everything will get done and whether our relationships will blossom, bend, or break in the stress of the season. Show us down, God and help us to place our hope in you. Be our calm center, that we may channels of peace to the people around us through the grace of Jesus Christ. Amen. Our opening hymn this morning is Angels from the Realms of Glory, which is number 220 in the hymnal, or on the screen.
0: Please be seated.
2: The wilderness is dry. The wilderness and the land and the dry land shall be glad. The desert shall rejoice and blossom like the crocus. It shall blossom abundantly and rejoice with joy and singing. A highway shall be there, and it shall be called the Holy Way. The unclean shall not travel on it, but it shall be for the Lord's people. No traveler, not even fools, shall go astray. And the ransomed of the Lord shall return to the and come to the Zion with singing. Everlasting joy shall be upon their heads and shall obtain joy and gladness, and sorrow and sighing shall flee away. The prophet Isaiah tells us about the joy of ascending to God's house. The prophet tells us to imagine being set free being unburdened, being released to live, to fully live in the grace and wonder of life itself, surrounded by those who love us like no one else. And then he tells us that the journey to get there is just as much as the joy. The psalmist says, Happy are these whose help is the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord, who made heaven and earth, who keeps faith, who executes justice, gives food, sets prisoners free, opens eyes, lifts up, watches over, upholds, the Lord will reign forever. Your God, O Zion, for all generations, praise, praise the Lord. We light these candles, the candle of joyous hope, of proclaimed peace, and of deep and everlasting joy, as a sign that we are those who walk with a skip in our step because we can see the destination and it is pure joy. We are ascending to God's promise.
1: The children come up for the children's moments and help me pass out these buckets. Thank you. Looks like somebody's already been putting coins in some of these. Thank you very much. Somebody's already put coins in that one. Can you share that with your brother? Thank you very much. You guys go together as a team, okay? wonderful to have helpers like this that will collect the coins for us. Can you just set them up there on the altar for me, please? Thank you. Thank you. Can you set it up there on the altar? Okay, hey guys, don't run away, because I want to talk just a little bit about angels. We've been, Pastor Andy's been talking a lot about angels, and I just wonder, what do you think angels look like? Do they look like this? Or do they look like this? Or do they look like this? I don't know. Has anybody seen an angel? I haven't. And you'll notice on your bulletin today that all these angels have wings, but this guy doesn't have wings. Now, do you think angels have wings? Yes. Do you think they do? You think? Yeah, (laughs) that's what we've been told all along, is that angels have wings. But sometimes I think there are things called earth angels. And those are people that help other people. Like if you have an accident on the side of the road and somebody stops and helps you, if you would find somebody's wallet... If somebody's grass needed to be mowed and you mowed their grass for them, you could be an earth angel. And I think that's what God wants us to do. He sends angels to kind of nudge us forward to be helpful to people. Okay, let's pray for a minute. Thank you, God, for angels in heaven and angels on this earth. Help us to always be helpful angels in every way that we possibly can. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, I tried to find something with angels on it, but I couldn't. All I could find was um, Christmas trees. So you guys get to choose whichever Christmas tree you want. Some are white and some are chocolate The next trick will be collecting my angels and getting up.
3: Aha. <laughs> uh-huh.
0: did it. Very good. Thank you, Sandy. Our prayer hymn this morning is number 218. It came upon the midnight clear. Let us prepare our hearts for prayer as we sing this carol together. Let us bow for a word of prayer. Oh God, we thank you for angels in heaven, for those who bring your message to earth, for those angels that delivered the word of Christ's coming into this world, and for angels in our own lives who have witnessed to us of your glory who have been agents of strength and mercy. Lord, may we too be agents of strength and mercy to others as we reach out in concern to this world. We thank you for those of this congregation who give of their resources, their tithes week after week, and their coins which they have brought today to be used in mission. And we pray for those who will take this money and use it to help others, particularly for those at Bridges of Hope and the Fish Food Pantry and for Wings of the Morning. May they be agents of hope and help to others. Thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to be a part of your mission here in Xenia and around the world. Lord, continue to work through us, through this congregation. May we receive that word of hope and peace and joy. May we be strengthened for the days ahead, and may we always respond to your call to us, wherever that may lead. We pray these things in the name of Jesus, who has taught us to pray together. and the glory forever. Amen. We continue to worship through the giving of our tithes and offerings as the ushers wait upon us. Please join me in the prayer of dedication. Holy One, whose heart abounds with gifts, receive this offering as sign of our intention to live surrounded by your mercy, inspired by your Spirit, open to the joy of your presence, hospitable to one another, and generous toward your world. Amen. Please remain standing for the reading of the Gospel.
1: The gospel lesson this morning comes from Matthew 1, verses 18 through 25. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband, Joseph, being a just man, He did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not, until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks Thanks be to God. Please be seated.
0: This third Sunday of Advent brings us to our third angel story leading up to the birth of Jesus. The first two stories both involved the angel Gabriel, and both took place in Luke chapter 1. This week my wife was reading ahead in Luke, and she said to me, I think I know who the next angel is. I said, are you in Luke? She said, yes. I said, that's not it. We have to jump Gospels for this week's story over to Matthew. Matthew and Luke are the two Gospel writers who tell us about the birth of Jesus. Mark starts off his Gospel when Jesus is already an adult coming to the Jordan River to be baptized. John starts off his Gospel all the way back at the beginning of creation to let us know that the Word of God, who became flesh in Jesus, existed from the very beginning. But then he jumps from there right up to the grown-up John the Baptist. Nothing of the birth narratives in either Mark or John. Everything that we know of the Christmas story comes from either Matthew or Luke. The full story, as we tend to think of it, and as we present it in our Christmas pageants and movies and nativity scenes, is a combination of Luke and Matthew. They both tell different parts of the story. Everything about Gabriel and Zechariah and Elizabeth and the Annunciation. Mary's visit to her relative, all of that comes from Luke. But to find out about the angel's visit to Joseph, for that we have to go to Matthew. At the risk of oversimplifying things, most of Mary's side of the story comes from Luke, and most of Joseph's side of the story comes from Matthew. Matthew was writing for a primarily Jewish audience. His is the most Jewish of the four Gospels. All four Gospels showed Jesus fulfilling prophecy, but Matthew, more than any other, is the one who says over and over again, this was to fulfill what had been written. Matthew quotes the Old Testament far more than any of the others. Matthew emphasizes Jesus' relation to the Jewish law more than any of the others. More so than any of the other Gospel writers, Matthew wanted his Jewish readers to understand that Jesus was not a break from the Jewish faith, but was the fulfillment of the Jewish faith. Jesus is the Jewish Messiah. To that end, then, Matthew begins his gospel with a genealogy. A genealogy. You know those parts of the Bible that we tend to skip right over? Because, oh my goodness, they're so boring. But this genealogy is important to the story that Matthew was telling and to the Jewish audience to whom he was writing. This genealogy begins with Abraham, the father of the Jewish faith. And it goes from Abraham to David, the great King David, the one through whose line the Messiah would one day come. And from David, it goes on down through the generations to Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom Jesus was born, who is called Messiah. It is through Joseph that the line is drawn from Abraham through David and on down to Jesus. The line of descent, without which one could not claim to be the Messiah, because God had decreed that the Messiah would come from the line of David, that line came to Jesus through Joseph. But wait a minute, you might say. Joseph was not involved in the conception of Jesus. Mary conceived as a virgin by the Holy Spirit. Jesus didn't have any of Joseph's DNA in him. How can Jesus be said to come from the line of David if that line goes through Joseph and not through Mary? The answer to that question is precisely the reason for this angelic visit in our story for today. The very next thing that Matthew tells us, after his 17-verse genealogy, in verse 18, he begins telling about the dilemma of Joseph and his visit from an angel, which will address the very issue raised by the genealogy. Before getting into that, though, let's briefly consider some of the things that Luke and Matthew agree on. I said that they both tell different parts of the story, but there are some striking similarities in both Gospels that show that While they're telling different pieces and different sides, they're telling the same story. They both name Jesus' parents as Mary and Joseph. They both say that Joseph was from the house of David. They both declare that Mary became pregnant while still a virgin and that the conception was the result of the Holy Spirit. They both state that Mary and Joseph were betrothed at the time and that they had not yet lived together. Both writers share that Jesus was born in Bethlehem and raised in Nazareth. One more thing they have in common. In both Gospels, an angel announces the upcoming birth. And the angel declares that the child will be named Jesus because he will save his people. In Luke, as we saw last week, that angel was Gabriel. He made that announcement to Mary before the conception took place. In Matthew... As we read today, the angel visits Joseph. And this angelic visit does not take place prior to the conception. In this case, Mary had already been found to be with child. What had Mary told Joseph about that? We don't know. Any conjecture that Mary had told Joseph about her angelic visit is just that, conjecture. Neither Luke nor Matthew tell us anything about any conversation between the two, not only prior to Mary becoming pregnant, but at all through the whole gospel. None of the gospels record any dialogue between Mary and Joseph. As a matter of fact, Joseph never speaks in the Bible at all. That's not to say he was mute like Zechariah. Joseph could speak normally, and I'm sure he and Mary had many deep and meaningful conversations But the Gospel writers don't share any of those conversations with us. If Mary had told anything to Joseph about Gabriel's visit, it appears that Joseph didn't believe her. And who could blame him? But there's no evidence that Mary ever said anything to Joseph about the words of the angel prior to the angel coming to him in today's story. It appears more likely that Mary had not yet shared Gabriel's words with her intended. Matthew does not say when Mary told Joseph she was pregnant. Rather, he writes, before they were together, she was found to be with child. She was found to be with child. In other words, she was found out. There were clear signs that she could neither hide nor deny Regardless of what Mary may or may not have said to Joseph or to anyone else, word was getting around. That was a problem for Joseph. Mary and Joseph had not been together yet as husband and wife. There was no way that Joseph could be the father. So, who was? An engagement in those days was a legal contract. It wasn't just two adults agreeing that they were going to get married so that they could start making wedding plans. It was two families entering into a legally binding arrangement with one another while the girl was still a child. The girl was pledged by her father to the man who would be her husband. The two were not married yet because she was not old enough, but she was considered her husband's property, just as if they were already married. When she came of age, the marriage would take place and they would consummate the arrangement. For a girl during this betrothal period to be with another man, that would be adultery, just as if they were already married. The punishment was the same, namely death. If the man didn't want to carry out that sentence, he could simply end the engagement and send the girl away. For him, it was a simple matter of terminating the contract which she had broken. For her, though, it was a fate almost as severe as death. She would be sent away with no one to care for her, no one to protect her, no one to provide for her and her child. Her own family wouldn't take her back. They would be too humiliated. No other family would take her. She was damaged goods. There was a good chance that she would become a prostitute. That, that would be just about the only way for her to provide for herself and her child. Joseph didn't want that to happen to Mary. The Bible says he was unwilling to put her to shame. He wasn't going to disgrace her. He wasn't going to expose her as an adulteress and ruin her life like that. But he wasn't about to marry her either. How could he, knowing that she had been unfaithful? Matthew says he resolved to divorce her quietly. You see, in those days, men had all of the power. While she was legally bound to him, a man could divorce his wife for pretty much any reason he wanted. It didn't have to be for infidelity. When Matthew says Joseph resolved to divorce her quietly, that means that he was going to call off the marriage without telling anyone why he was calling off the marriage. That means that when the child was born, most people would just assume that's Joseph's boy. They would assume that's Joseph's boy because if it wasn't, he would have said so. He would have explained that that's why he was divorcing her. He would have exposed her. Joseph was prepared to let everyone assume that he had gotten Mary pregnant. He wasn't going to say it. That would be lying. He was too righteous to do that, but he knew they would assume it. They would assume that he had gotten her pregnant and then changed his mind about marrying her. There wasn't any other way for him to dismiss her without putting her to shame. It would be somewhat shameful to him, but in a culture where men could get away with that kind of thing pretty much unscathed, whereas the other way around, the woman would be completely ruined. So that was Joseph's plan. Call off the wedding without telling anyone why, accept credit for the baby by implication without explicitly taking credit for the baby. That was Joseph's idea. God had a different idea. That's why the angel came to Joseph, to tell him God's idea, take Mary as your wife. That was God's idea. Joseph should take Mary as his wife and they should raise the child together. This angelic visit is quite different from the visits of Gabriel in Luke's gospel. For one thing, the angel here is unnamed. It could be Gabriel. Matthew simply calls him an angel of the Lord. For another thing, this angel visits Joseph in sleep. Gabriel visited Zechariah and Mary while they were both wide awake. Not so with Joseph. Perhaps this is in homage to Joseph's namesake from the Old Testament. Joseph, the favorite son of Jacob, was a dreamer. God spoke to him in his dreams. This Joseph, too, receives God's word while he sleeps. But the most significant difference between this and the visits to Zechariah and Mary is that the angel here commands Joseph to do something. Take Mary as your wife. If you think back to the message delivered to Zechariah and to Mary, neither of them was told to actually do anything. Rather, the angel came to tell them what was about to take place through them. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a child, and you will name him John. The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and you will name the baby Jesus. You can read all through all of the words of Gabriel in those two stories, and you won't find him commanding either of them to do a single thing. They are both passive recipients of God's grace working through them. Certainly there was something expected of them. They needed to believe. They needed to trust the words of the angel. They needed to accept God's plan and submit to God's will. But still, they were not commanded to do anything. Not so with Joseph. The angel came to Joseph with explicit instructions that he had to act upon. There was something that Joseph had to do. Something that God couldn't do for him or through him. Joseph could not be a passive recipient of God's grace. He had to act. Take Mary as your wife. What if he hadn't? What if Joseph had carried On with his original idea to dismiss Mary quietly. Jesus still would have been born. Mary's life was not in danger so long as Joseph refused to expose her to shame. God still would have been born into the world, but the baby would not have been from the household of David. This is where the story of the angel's visit to Joseph ties directly into the genealogy that precedes it. Jesus is of the household of David because he is the son of Joseph. If Joseph had sent Mary away, people may have assumed that he was Jesus' father, but he would not have been. There would have been a clear break. Mary and her baby would have had no relation whatsoever. To the line of David. For Jesus to be in the line of David, Joseph had to take Mary and the baby into his house. Not just to protect them, not just to provide for them. He would do that too, and that was important. But he had to receive them as his family in order that the prophecy would be fulfilled that the Messiah would come from the line of David. By Joseph doing as the angel commanded and taking Mary as his wife, That made Jesus his son. Legally and religiously, Jesus was the legitimate son of Joseph, and that made him a son of David. All of this was part of God's plan. It always had been. It had been proclaimed by the prophets for centuries. But in order for it to be carried out, Everyone must play their part, including Joseph. The angel came to Joseph with a command that he take Mary as his wife, not just as a passive sign of trust and faithfulness, but as an active part in carrying out God's plan of salvation. Joseph was not an incidental player in this story that could have been changed out for someone else. Joseph was absolutely key to God's plan, just as essential as Mary. Sometimes angels come to us with encouraging words, with words of wonder, with messages of promise and hope. Sometimes they remind us that God's grace is at work in us and through us and that we can simply believe and allow the Spirit to flow. But sometimes, the angels come to give us direction, a command from God. For we too have an active part to play. There are things that we have to do, things that God has been preparing us to do, things that God is counting on us to do. As you continue your Advent journey, as you continue making your preparations for the coming of Christ. Consider what the angels are asking of you. What are the angels directing you to do? What has God been preparing you for? What is God asking you to do so that his plan for the salvation of others can come to fruition? May we be listening for that word, that command from the angels. And when we hear it, may we be as responsive as Joseph, as responsible as Joseph, and as faithful as Joseph. God is counting on us. Amen. I invite you to stand as you are able for our closing hymn. It's number 213 in the hymnals. Lift up your heads, ye mighty gates. Let us sing together. God has things for us to do. May we be listening for his word, for his direction, and may we be faithful to respond. Go in the name of God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.